0: Hey everybody, welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. Alex Halsted here coming at you from Jack Trice Stadium where Iowa State has wrapped up media day. The Cyclones reported today, August 1st. They're going to begin fall camp tomorrow, August 2nd. Fall camp is going to run for the next three weeks leading into the first game week against Northern Iowa. So a lot coming for you here on the Cyclone Scoop in, in terms of fall camp coverage. But uh, today I wanted to... Give some thoughts on how media day went, and then also here in just a little bit, you're going to hear from both of Iowa State's coordinators. I caught up with offensive coordinator Tom Manning, talked a little bit about his return to Iowa State, Brock Purdy, and some other things. And then I also caught up with defensive coordinator John Haycock, talked about his defensive scheme, uh, some of the position battles going on on his side of the ball And more. So in just a little bit, you're going to hear from both of those coordinators. Uh, But before we do jump into those interviews, I did want to kind of go through some of the happenings here at Media Day. Matt Campbell talked with the media for about 40 minutes, and then it was kind of just, uh, it's always kind of a zoo on the field after the press conference. You're just trying to go around. You have an hour and try to get as much as you can. I spent some of that time trying to get both coordinators so you guys could hear from them, uh, but I was also able to talk to some of the other players, uh, talk to Brock Purdy and Mike Rose, two players coming off their freshman seasons, big freshman seasons, and now they have some expectations on their shoulders as they go into year two, so I talked to those two. I talked to Michael Petway, Sean Shaw Jr., Joe Skates, three wide receivers that are going to try to step in and fill some of the 150-plus targets that are gone. And I also talked to Will McDonald, who's maybe the most intriguing player on this team. He's going to try to win the starting Sam job, the third outside linebacker or the third linebacker spot. And uh, he's really intriguing player, 6'4", 225, and uh, making that move from defensive end to linebacker. So I was able to catch up with a lot of different guys, and uh, I want to go through some of the things that I thought were most interesting from the day. And uh, that starts with Brock Purdy. Obviously, Purdy is a guy that last season – Uh, really flashed. But Matt Campbell uh, made a good point that the first four weeks of the season, Purdy was playing Iowa State's so-called JV games on Wednesday nights. They have these young guys play, um, you know, games against each other on Wednesdays during the season, most of the guys that are registering or that aren't playing in games. And for the first four weeks last year, Brock Purdy was was running the offense in one of those JV games, and then all of a sudden he's the starter. So I think that's kind of the the place you got to look and take a step back and think Purdy can really take another big step now that he's got a full offseason, spring ball, now fall camp as being the guy. Purdy said that the biggest thing he took away from last season was that uh, he's got to take fewer hits. He's got to know when to go down. He said, you know, in high school, you've got smaller corners and linebackers, um, and you can kind of go at them and take hits from them. But he learned pretty quickly, he said, last year, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, just those early games that uh, taking hits in the Big 12 uh, is quite a bit different than taking hits against high schoolers uh, back home in Arizona. So he said that's the biggest thing is he's got to get down more and he's got to get out of bounds. And that's the big key for Iowa State this season when you look at their key to success. They've got to keep Brock pretty healthy, and that starts with protecting him you know, in the pocket, but also him protecting himself by getting rid of the ball, by uh, sliding by not taking some of those hits because uh, you look at last year Purdy was sacked 21 times he did rush 79 times for 432 yards when you adjust it for those 21 sacks but there were a couple games where he took three sacks he took five sacks against Texas and uh if if Iowa State wants him to become the first quarterback since Austin or not in 2008 to start every game in a season uh, he's got to stay healthy and uh that probably starts with the biggest thing he learned from last season. Um, Speaking of, you know, the offensive side of the ball, the two big questions obviously offensively are wide receiver and running back. You start at the receiver position. Iowa State loses 108 targets from Hakeem Butler. Um, They lose more targets from Matt Eaton. You're talking about 150-plus targets that they lose between the receiver room and running back David Montgomery as a pass catcher. And so that's a lot to replace. Uh, Deshante Jones, Treke Milton are both going to step into bigger roles. But they need other guys to step up. And so I talked to those three guys that could be right in that mix in LaMichael Petway, coming from Arkansas, caught 30 passes for 499 yards last season at Arkansas. And then Joe Skates and Sean Shaw, kind of the, the freshman everybody wants to know about. And I talked to all three of those guys. Petway has made a really big, big point to try to connect with Brock Purdy right away. Uh, he's really eager, you talk to him and you can just tell how eager he is. He knows this is the last season. It's kind of like a graduate transfer in basketball. They come in and they know that this, this is kind of do or die in terms of proving themselves to the NBA or, or really getting what they wanted out of college. And Petway's the same thing now here as a graduate transfer wide receiver. Um, he said it, it's, it's no secret. Arkansas struggled with quarterback play. They had they never had a clear-cut guy, and he thought that affected him. That was one of the reasons he chose Iowa State was because Iowa State had a clear-cut guy in Brock Purdy. Auburn didn't. They have a quarterback battle as they go into fall camp. That kind of uh, worried him a little bit. Um, he also looked and took visits to North Carolina, Oklahoma State, and he said he canceled the visit to Oklahoma, which was something that I had not heard, but getting back to the point, uh, Petway was here in Ames on campus after transferring to Iowa State. And Purdy wasn't here when Petway arrived, but he was back home, I think, back home in Arizona. And Petway said the moment Purdy landed, he texted him and said, hey, let's go out to eat. Uh, they went to Buffalo Wild Wings. They spent some time there. They've been, you know, hooking up on the, on the football field for extra sessions after OTAs and those sorts of things because they're trying to develop that timing. You know, Purdy's got timing with his tight ends, Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen from last season. He's got timing with Deshante Jones and Treke Milton. Petway's a veteran. He's he's savvy. He knows that if he can get the timing down with his quarterback, he could win that Z job or at least be a guy that's a focal point of the offense. And so, it's going to be really interesting to see what what Petway can do. He's not that big body that Hakeem Butler is. He's you know, I stood next to him. He's more probably six two, uh, between six two and six three. But he is a built body that uh, can probably play in the slot or outside. And so I think he could be that number three receiver for Iowa State, but he is going to get pushed. And um, he's going to get pushed by guys like Sean Shaw and Joe Skates, who were kind of the mild-mannered freshmen today in talking to them. Neither of them wanted to say, hey, I'm going out there and doing this. Um, They actually both basically said the same thing, that that room is pretty happy for each other. And so that, you know, whoever's getting those targets, are going to be happy. But uh, make no mistake, those two guys are going to, Going to be in the conversation. Shaw Shaw is just physically impressive. Standing next to him, he's all six six. He's bigger than Hakeem Butler, you know, thicker body. Uh, but when you get up close to him, stand right next to him, he reminds you a lot of Hakeem Butler just in terms of stature. But uh, he's probably a little bit thicker especially this early in his career. You know, Hakeem came in pretty thin. uh, Shaw's a redshirt freshman and he definitely looks the part. Now we'll see if he can be the guy that maybe is a safety blanket that can go across and go up and get balls. He said that's probably the biggest thing he can bring to this team is an ability to go up and get 50-50 balls. And uh, he said he spent last season trying to take some of those things away from Hakeem Butler to do that. We'll just see if he can do it right away this season. Uh, I guess the other question then, uh, you know, that I hadn't mentioned yet on offense is the running back position. Uh, Matt Campbell said, you know, they could consider going running back by committee, but he did make a point to say that, uh, you know, you look at the last three years that they had at Toledo, 2013, 2014, and 2015, each of those three seasons, I or Toledo had two running backs with 700-plus rushing yards. David Montgomery's been the mainstay at running back the last two seasons, but now they've got an opportunity to maybe go back to the ways they – they had at Toledo where you have a couple running backs that are handling your production. Campbell, you know, singled out a, a, a year in which they had Kareem Hunt and David Flewellen in, in the backfield. Um, both guys, I think that year rushed for 900 plus yards. Both are, you know, made it to the NFL. But beyond that, Campbell said they were at times in the backfield together at the same time. So I State likes its five man running back group. The big thing is figuring out how they fit because uh, you look at a guy like Johnny Lane, he's kind of shifty and quick and can probably split out wide if you wanted him to. Kane Nwanku, same thing. He's got that electric speed, can get around the edge, uh, can do an end around if you put him outside, uh, can catch a little bit. Sheldon Crony's probably their most complete back, a guy that can stay in on third downs to pass block. Um, you know, he's, he's just the guy that they've kind of relied upon as that consistent guy that reminds them the most of Montgomery in terms of he can play in every situation, whether it's run, catching or pass blocking and then it's going to be the two rookies Brees Hall and Jairo Brock that really have an opportunity to step up and make an impact in fall camp but you know Campbell said this is really going to be an important fall camp because they got to figure out who's the guy on third and six who's the guy on fourth and one Um, they are going to probably use more running backs obviously than they have in years past because they don't have a workhorse like David Montgomery but they would like to find one, maybe two guys that are the key guys because they don't want to get into week one. Um, It's probably not week one. He said maybe early in the season that they're still kind of figuring things out. But by the time you get into conference play especially, you want to have one or two guys that you know you can go to them. You can rely on them on a short yarder situation, on a goal line situation. Um, And so that's what they're really trying to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the one other point I did want to make offensively, uh, something that stood out to me, Matt Campbell was talking about uh, the F position. Iowa State's fullback slash H-back. It's combined with their tight end group, and uh, the big guy there is Dylan Sainer, a guy that you know got pretty good size. I think he's 6'7", 270. You know, definitely looks like a tight end. Kind of actually looks like an offensive tackle, but he moves like a tight end. He's going to play the F position, and uh, that's a critical spot for Iowa State. I don't think a lot of people realize how much Sam Seenbuckner Buckner played a role in Iowa State scheming the run game last year. Saner's got to replace him. He's going to play a lot this year in that role. But Matt Campbell said that he can do a lot more than just be that run blocker because he's a guy that can flex out wide and and play tight end. And so they're going to try to get creative with him in the backfield. Campbell said midway through the spring that Saner was maybe the catalyst to what they were doing offensively. So I'm really intrigued to see what Dylan Saner does because it's, a, it's another piece that could really differentiate Iowa State in terms of what they do offensively. And, and we'll see how that fits into the tight end room where um, it's possible that they could do a lot more double tight sets. So uh, I did want to, before we switch over to these interviews with Tom Manning and John Haycock, point out two things that stood out to me defensively. The first is that we know Iowa State really the last two years, for the most part, most of the last two seasons has run a three-three-five defense that's still going to likely be their base defense. But because they have so much depth on that defensive line, you look at their starting line of Annie Rike, Jaquan Bailey, and Ray Lima. But their second line, their second string is Zach Peterson, Jamal Johnson, and Matt Leo. Some of those guys could start on other teams across college football, even at the Power 5 level. And so that's a pretty deep defensive line, the deepest Iowa State's been since Matt Campbell's been in Ames. That obviously lends to the thought that could Iowa State try to use them a little bit more? Matt Campbell did say that they could look at some four-man front stuff, uh, at least situationally. Um, Here's just a quick quote from him. He said, even if you go back and really study us a year ago, there were times we got into a four-man front. That's where we feel comfortable. That's still comfort because it's our foundation. It certainly gives us flexibility and ability to go into a four-man front and play four-man front when you need to so that's something they're going to continue to look at I asked John Haycock about it as well you're going to hear that um, I think here in the interview with him Uh, Iowa State has some pieces finally defensively enough enough depth where they can look at some stuff like that um, in 2019 and the point I wanted to end on is Will McDonald mentioned him at the top I talked to him today uh, he's 6'4, 225. He said I was he's trying to get him up to 230. He was defensive end last year, played four games, had the strip sack against TCU. That was kind of his coming out moment. McDonald said that he started hearing rumblings in the winter that you know he was gonna get moved to linebacker. It sounds like a big point of this is just he couldn't put on weight. Um he's a kid that it you know, maybe eventually gets up to 240, but was never gonna get up to that 260, 270, 280 as a defensive end. And so Iowa State's moving him to linebacker. He's in line to potentially start at the same linebacker spot. He's in competition with Chandler Pulvermacher. I think both of those redshirt freshmen are going to play a lot, but McDonald is really, really intriguing. Uh, He said throughout the spring, Iowa State's been toying with him. They really like his ability to be both a pass rusher at that outside linebacker spot, but also drop into coverage. McDonald is still learning. You know, he's only been at linebacker since – probably February or March, and he's going into his first fall camp there. But uh, he's been in the film room with Mike Rose and Marcel Spears. They're trying to bring him along in terms of the knowledge of that position. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see what he does there because he could really be kind of an X factor to that defense. It's the only spot I he's trying to replace from last season in the starting front six. Uh, but McDonald looks the part. Now we'll find out if he can play early in his career to a high level like we saw Rose do last year at the middle linebacker position. So I think that rounds up my thoughts. I'm going to have a lot more thoughts throughout the next month. We're going to get each position group and players and coaches from each position in the next three weeks. I'm sure I'll come back at you with some of that. Uh, But for now, let's go to my interview. And uh, first up is Iowa State offensive coordinator Tom Manning. I'm joined now by Iowa State offensive coordinator Tom Manning, who is back for the 2019 season. And, Coach, what have you maybe tried to get out of this offseason to look at what Iowa State did last year and, and what you want to do to tinker things uh, in 2019?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really good to be back. I think for us, it's, it all starts with uh, the evaluation of our players and what do we believe that our guys can do to be successful for what their particular talents and skill sets are. And uh, I think we've taken a hard look at finding out what are the, what are the best concepts. Um, in the passing game and the running game to ultimately give us the best chance to be successful. So, you know, we've taken a hard look at that. We're going to kind of pick up right where we left off from spring of uh, trying to evaluate that, always constantly uh, evaluating our evolution and uh, really trying to hone in on what we do best. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll figure that out as we go. What was the
0: first thing you did in terms of looking at Brock Purdy's game? Did you sit down and look through the games and kind of dissect what he did last year? Or what was kind of the the path to try to learn him?
1: Well, I think the first thing was, that, you know, I wanted to have as many conversations with I could, with with him that I could. Um, you know, I think he's such a mature young man and, and, and very intelligent young man. And to just get a chance to pick his brain on, number one, what are things that you feel really confident in doing? Um, and what are some things maybe that, that you don't feel fits you the right way, or maybe you're not as confident in. And, you know, I think that's the first thing that we always try to do as a staff. And then from there, yeah, as you watch him, you can kind of do some different breakdowns to figure out what are the things he's good at and maybe what do, isn't he as good at and, are those things that are worth sharpening uh, or is it better to, to spend our time in, in maybe a different concept? So, you know, we like to be in constant communication with Brock because I think he's, uh, he's, a, he's one of those rare kids that, that knows himself and knows what he's good at. And uh, we really want him to have a say in the offense. Brock said you've talked to him about some of the different
0: things that make Andrew Luck so great. Obviously, being with the Colts, you've got to see that firsthand. What have you tried to show Brock, both in the game, but he said maybe the bigger thing is that you've tried to tell him what what Andrew Luck is as maybe
1: one of the NFL's best leaders? Yeah, I think you know, I've had a lot of conversations with Brock about the preparation um, uh, of Andrew Luck and and really – you know, for me, that was one the, of the things that I probably learned the most about was just watching, uh, number one, what it takes to be a successful quarterback at the highest level. Um, and, and, and I'm not claiming to know everything about it, the ins and outs of it, but but watching him uh, from a week-to-week basis and how involved he is in the game plan and the way that he approached not only studying the opponent, um, but studying himself, the way he approached handling his body from a day-to-day basis. And just his process to me was so incredible. Um and and really his work ethic is is unbelievable and uh i had absolute blast watching him play and then from the leadership side of it you know andrews he's phenomenal i mean he's a guy that you know obviously he's uh there's every accolade known to man and you know but the way that that guy can connect with everybody in the room was something that i really admired and you know so uh i was only around him a year it was a pleasure to be around him but you know, with with Brock, you know, I I tried to share just a few things, and we don't want him to be Andrew Luck, we want him to be Brock Purdy, but uh, I think it's certainly something worth learning from. Speaking of learning in the NFL, what did you take away from maybe being in a different sort of
0: offensive scheme, and and it sounds like really unique offensive football, what did you take away from that that maybe could
1: apply, especially, you know, being directly involved with the tight ends there? Yeah, you know, I think for us, there's there's, there's actually a lot of similarities, I think, with, with what we've always done offensively uh, here, and 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 what the Colts did uh, last year, and probably going forward, I think for us it was a good example to take a step back and look at maybe some things procedurally, and in how do we, how and when do we do what, and and you know maybe just take a good look at organizationally uh, from an offensive standpoint. You know what's the best way to. Uh, to number one, install, what's the best, how many things do we need to have, inventory our things. And so I learned a great deal about, uh, I think, game planning, number one, but also just uh, the day-to-day operation and maybe a different way than, than maybe what I have been used to in the past. People look at the loss of David Montgomery, 1,200,
0: 1,300 yards, whatever it might be, and um, maybe he can't be replaced by one guy, but you look back at your guys' final years at Toledo, 13, 14, 15. You had two backs each of those years that had
1: 700-plus yards. Could you see something like that evolving now with Montgomery gone, and, and what do you like about that room? Yeah, we're, I think we're really excited about uh, about the guys in that room. Number one, there's uh, there's a lot of talent in there. Um, number two, I think there's a strong sense of competitive spirit amongst those guys. Uh that's a group of guys that number there's a lot of guys that have had meaningful reps here uh in in different situations in football games so we we do feel like that there is experience there uh, we feel like we have young guys that can help us as well so i think our job is to you know continue to push those guys see who emerges if someone emerges as a guy that can be the first second and third down back um, or if it's a, a situation where we feel so strongly that all of them those guys could help us. How, you know, how do we handle that situation? So I think could probably better answer that for you in about a week or so, uh, two weeks, and getting a better better feel for what those guys can handle.
0: The the receiver position obviously loses 150 plus targets. I think when you look at Hakeem and Matt Eaton, and um, even looking at David Montgomery just as a receiver. What do you guys need to see in fall camp to feel comfortable there? you got Deshante and Tariq, but guys like LaMichael Petway, Joe Skates, and Sean Shaw seem to be emerging, but maybe just unproven. I guess Petway's proven a
1: little bit at the SEC level as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we need to find guys that continually to to know their assignment, uh, to process information quickly, uh, to consistently run good routes, and, and make plays on the football, and You know for us i think that's the biggest thing is we got to find number one what are the things that they really highlight them Um, and going forward from there is who who can consistently make plays in critical situations and obviously we're going to have to do a great job of manufacturing some of those situations throughout camp and uh, seeing what happens with the offensive line 114 career
0: returning starts i think it's second most in college football That only probably means so much. I think that's what Coach Meyer said is experience is great, but it's only a part of it. How much does experience mean? And and what have you seen from the development of that group in your year away?
1: Well, I think experience is important, uh, and obviously those guys have some, but I think the biggest thing is is those guys have worked really hard in developing, uh, not only from a tactical standpoint and technical standpoint, uh, but I think those guys have really worked on the transformation of themselves. Uh, I think they've increased their strength, and they've worked really hard at forming a brotherhood, I think, within that offensive line that we've been you know, really continuing to push here for quite some time. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for those guys. I think obviously they got a lot to prove, and I think they're up to that task. And uh, we we feel really good about the guys that are in our program playing that position.
0: Is the biggest thing just consistency? Because Coach Campbell said he thought the Alamo Bowl was the first time they've really physically imposed themselves. Is it just consistently opening up holes or or getting to the defender or things like that?
1: Well, I think it's it's consistency in everything. I think that's what offensive line play is. Is it's the most you know monotonous position really in all sports where. You know, you have to find ways in the margins to continually sharpen your technique, uh, to continually self-evaluate. And it's really a thankless job in in a lot of different ways. Um, And continue to push yourself through the long grind of the season. So, you know, yes, it's consistency in a sense. Um, And then obviously prove that we we do have the ability to open holes when we really need to run the football. And uh, I think when that happens, it's really good for any offense. So I think that's a challenge to those guys. Or can they take the next step and, you know, move that needle forward into being the offensive line that they want to be. And then obviously that that we want to be here at Iowa State.
0: And then I'll let you go on this. How, how do you think the offense can continue to evolve this year? I know you're not going to give away any secrets, but Coach Campbell's talked about two or three tight ends that the last year at Toledo you guys were in, I think 70% of the time, double tights. Obviously, you've got that personnel. You've got your experience. You've got a collection of guys in the backfield who have very different skill sets. How can things continue to evolve? And, and how difficult it is for you guys to sit down and try to figure that out in the
1: next month? Yeah, I think it's, in, in our mind, I think it's a, it's a big task to figure out You know, how do you play uh, each game and what set of personnel or whatever you're going to do throughout the game, I think it's hard to always figure that out. But I think that's our job. And I think we're the good thing for us, I think, is we have a lot of uh, players that we believe in. um, And we have a lot of different kind of players. And, you know, we're going to have to continue to iron out what's the best way to play from a week in and week out basis. And, uh, you know, we're excited to kind of get through that process because that's a fun process.
0: Well, thanks, Coach, and uh, best of luck with fall camp. Thank you. you. Okay, that was Tom Manning and uh, some good stuff there from him. I uh, will have a story coming on on Brock Purdy talking about Andrew Luck and some of those things, but really interesting to have Manning back with the experience he had. The big thing for Manning, the big talking point from Matt Campbell at uh, the press conference was that he said that he probably made a mistake by making Tom Manning both the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach in the first go-around because he just has so much on his plate. Manning now has a better overview of the offense because he's the offensive coordinator and kind of the running backs coach. Uh, it's not to say a running backs coach doesn't take time and take effort, but the offensive line, when you're working with five guys at a single time versus the running back room where you're working at one guy, with one guy at a time and it's more so ball security and those sorts of things, it has taken away some of the load off, off, off Manning's plate. And uh, it sounds like that's really helped him in his offensive coordinator role. Speaking of taking a load off, uh, off the plate, uh, the same thing's kind of happened with defensive coordinator John Haycock. He's no longer the safeties coach. He is just the defensive coordinator because Iowa State has used its 10th assistant to hire Matt Capone, who's coaching cornerbacks. DK McDonald shifts to coach the safeties. That leaves John Haycock with no specific position. So uh, in the spring, he was roaming. He's going to do the same thing in fall camp. And uh, that will allow him more time to continue to do some of the uh, his scheming that he's been so good at in his first three seasons at Iowa State and uh, to hear more about the defense let's now go to my interview with defensive coordinator John Haycock. I'm joined now by Iowa State defensive coordinator John Haycock and uh, coach uh, going into 2019 I think it's really year two of the 3-3-5 the second full year I think he started it in 17 but what have you learned from that with a full year and uh, how does it maybe continue to evolve?
2: Well, you know, I think we've learned the good things. Uh, I think we've taken our lumps at times with some things that that we may or may not have known about getting into. Uh, I think our guys, you know, have grown to understand what we're doing and i think coaches we're continually trying to stay one step ahead of the posse i think we're constantly working on what could happen what would we do all of those different kinds of things and yet still mastering our craft because i think there's still some things that we you know even a year ago that we didn't know or weren't good teachers at it and i think we we've tried to do that here over the the spring and summer
0: I talked to uh, TCU coach Gary Patterson at Big Twelve Media Day is obviously, you know, a defensive coach. He said if you worry too much what happens with in inside the twenties, in between the twenties anymore in college football, you'll go crazy. It's really about the red zone and, and three and outs and things like that how do you coach defensive football in this day and
2: age with um, you know how much has changed well it's very situational you know coach Patterson's one of the, the best defensive coaches minds out there and uh, I've followed him for years but I, I think he's right I think it's situational football I, I think it's third downs it's fourth downs it's third and shorts it's You know first play of a drive it's the red zone it's coming out that ball's on a minus one it's just things you've got to spend some time at that become the critical situations in the game because again in between those 20s it's a free-for-all and uh you know i I think teams all have their own niches of what they're trying to do but it's a pretty open up game uh you know between those two two yard lines
0: you guys returned five of your six starters in that we'll call it a six-man front uh what does that mean for you guys? And, and has that accelerated things through spring ball and now going into fall camp?
2: Well, it means that there is one one spot that we've got some young people. And you know we've got to build the defense around the youngest guys on the team, not the oldest guys. Um, and I think that's really where we are in this whole process as we, we get into into the fall and into the fall camp here, is to make sure we bring that position along as far as we can. And again, not get ahead of ourselves and allow those guys to be the best players they can be at that position.
0: At the same spot that you mentioned, Will McDonald was there in the spring. What, uh, what does he bring you guys? And uh, how did that kind of change come about from moving him from the D-line to linebacker?
2: Well, I think size a little bit and athleticism. You know, I think we recruited him, and not sure exactly where his body would take him. And I think it's taken him to the outside linebacker position. Uh, He's got great open field awareness. uh, You know, great skills out in space, and that's what this game becomes. I mean, you look at the number of times that Willie was ever really in the box. I mean, it wasn't very much. And uh, so we'll do, you know, again what we what we do with that position.
0: What does Greg Eyesworth moving to the star do for you and uh, and what do you guys look for out of that star position because it's been really important obviously moving DeAndre there last year and
2: it seems like it's a key piece. Well I mean the star becomes a critical spot I mean it's the middle of the defense it's like the nose and the Mike linebacker those three spots down the middle are really important for us and uh, you know I think that's the biggest thing that you see is that those guys you know that those guys you have to be good in the middle in any defense and you Uh, in any sport so it it is it's a those guys are asked to do a lot of things at star Um, Greg has been able to handle it, you know We've got to find him uh, again some some spots to get some breaths during a football game and again That'll be the challenge here in in summer camp
0: when you look at the cornerback position coach Campbell said he likes a lot of the talent there, but it's maybe just unproven. What do you need to see, especially for, for some of the guys to step up behind daytron and Anthony? That, out?
2: I think all of that. I think our guys, we, we've got to find some depth. Our, our, some of those, I mean, daytron played a little bit last year. Uh, Anthony played off and on. I, I think we just have to develop some consistency at that position, some depth. We've got some guys that have been in the program that got to step up for us and and, and be competitors and play. And uh, that's the area uh, that we'll spend a ton of time on in, in, in fall camp, and our guys Got to do a great job, Coach Campbell said that.
0: Given your depth, it is possible you could look at a four-man front and just tinker with different things. How much do you you experiment with that sort of thing in fall camp to figure out what works?
2: Well, you know we're we're going to experiment with it. You know we we still have you know if you look at our defensive line, uh, you know when you add the number of guys up there, I mean it helps us. Uh, play some four-man front. We've gotten into it some in the spring uh, with four true, like we played, and I think being able to do both is going to be important for us. And, and again, I think we'll see as the season progresses. But in fairness, we have, you know, we've we've certainly got into the four-man front. We'll continue to get into it, um, find some different ways to do it. But the best way to do it is to put your best eleven guys out on the field. And with the guys that we have up front, that's that's one of the ways to do it.
0: And last thing, I know you're a perfectionist, and obviously put up good numbers defensively. Last year, but where's the next step in 2019?
2: Well, you know, I am a perfectionist. I I think that's how you have to coach and you have to work. Uh, I think that's how you have to practice. How we do things really matters. And I think, again, our our kids, when we started this whole program four years ago, was to be the number one defense in every category. and, and I think that's the goals that we still have and within that then the team concept of you know allowing ourselves again if it's 58 51 or 52 51 and we get one more point then that's that's good like that's what we're trying to do so I think the team concept has been huge here it's really been a, a it's been a lot of fun on defense because I, I think our head coach and our offensive staff help us um, you know our my best dad told me the other day my best defensive calls are when we're standing on the sideline like I, I'm really like I'm pretty when we're over there so I appreciate our offense I I think our defense does too and and that's how we coach.
0: Thanks to John Haycock and Tom Manning for both joining me here on the Cyclone Scoop. Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. I'll have more for you throughout the rest of the month uh, in fall camp and then leading into the season opener against Northern Iowa on uh, August 31st. I'm talking on August 1st on the last day of the month there's going to finally be some football here at Jack Trace Stadium and uh, we'll have you cover throughout the month leading up to the first game. So thanks for joining me, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.